You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, greetings, my friend, and thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to tune into the show, and I hope that this episode inspires and encourages you on your own journey. Special welcome if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time. Hope that you'll enjoy it and perhaps consider checking out some other episodes as well. And for those who are regular listeners, you guys all rock. You're amazing, and I always appreciate the support so much. A big shout out to my amazing sponsors, inlpcenter.org, offering world-class online neurolinguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. I'm honored to be able to receive my certifications from INLP Center and utilize their research and incredible training programs. And to daily recovery support, interactive daily group calls in a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with the skills and information you can use every single day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. If you find these podcasts helpful, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcasting app. That would be awesome. So today, my guest on the podcast is Dr. Raquel Muller. Dr. Muller is a founder of Joyful Imperfection Counseling and specializes in working with women and moms in the areas of depression, anxiety disorders, self-esteem, relationships, loss and grief, and overcoming the myth of needing to be a super mom or super parent. Dr. Muller has been a professional therapist for 17 years and struggled with the conflicting and multiple demands of raising a family and being a loving and attentive partner while also pursuing personal fulfillment through her career. She uses her experience, knowledge, and skills to teach moms the strategies they need to bust the supermom myth so they can reduce stress and be more calm, confident, and effective parents. During our chat, Dr. Muller and I talk about what a supermom is and how trying to live up to those expectations can steal our joy, authenticity, and contentment in not only who we are, but in every aspect of our life and relationships. We talk about her approach, which is a combination of CBT and TEAM, and we break down what cognitive behavioral therapy is and how the TEAM approach ensures that the agenda of therapy is driven by what the client wants to work on, not just a diagnosis. We also discuss the importance of developing self-compassion and self-acceptance and how this is so difficult, especially for trauma survivors. And Dr. Muller shares the most important thing to remember when beginning to work on your trauma and change the super mom mentality. All this and more during my chat with Dr. Raquel Muller, starting right now. So, hey, Dr. Muller, welcome to Beyond Your Past. It's great to have you on the show. How are you? I am fantastic, Matt. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm super excited. And I am super excited to have you here as well. We're going to talk about uh, your work uh, with moms and with women and with coaching and therapists and everything. So, but before we get into that, why don't we take a minute? You can uh, tell everyone more about you, the work you do, and then we'll get into the podcast. Okay, great. So um, I am originally from Panama. I always like to start there because with my accent, sometimes people are like, oh, and where is that accent from? 
So I'm originally from Panama, born and raised. And uh, uh, as of March this year, I will have been living in the United States for 30 years. And so I've done all of my uh, uh, undergraduate and graduate education in the United States. And uh, I'm actually uh, a psychologist by training. And I started out my uh, training in New Jersey and then have moved to different states, including Missouri and California. And now I'm in Oregon. And uh, two years ago, I started my uh, practice called Joyful Imperfection Counseling. And of course, not knowing anything about business, I started to do a lot of studying. And so that led me to grow a heck of a lot. And I, you know, also landed on who are the people that I love to most serve. And that's how I discovered my passion for serving moms. Well, it sounds awesome. And I'm so glad that you're here today because we're going to talk more about, about that exactly. So so you're a therapist, you're a speaker, you're a coach, and of course, working primarily with women, but you mentioned about specializing in moms. So maybe yeah. share a little bit more about how you got to focus on on moms and, and uh, pretty much the uh, inspiration for going down that route. Right. Well, you know, um, I discovered that, you know, in my own experience as a mother, that it's it's tough, right? And um, I think that women today are faced with a lot of um, demands and, and expectations and that we have to be these super women, right? And so the super mom is something that you, you hear about a, a whole lot. And in fact, it's what I, what I speak on is I call it the myth of the super mom. And I did discover that it is a myth. And I discovered that, you know, it, what happens is it, it does come from a beautiful place I think of wanting to do more and be more, to grow, to be better, um, to show our daughters that we can do it all, right? And at the same time, I think what happens is it makes us more prone to self-criticism, to um, beating ourselves up when we make mistakes, to comparing ourselves unfavorably with other moms, um, and feeling like failures when we don't meet those superwomen standards. And so I think that also tends to lead to anxiety and depression, which are rampant uh, anymore in our, in our society. And so I decided that this is a way in which I can contribute. I can help other women to, A, you know, alleviate some of those pressures and not feel like they have to meet the super mom standards. Because at the end of the day, we're imperfect human beings and we have limitations, right? And, and that's okay, and it's okay to show up as who we are, be proud of who we are. And um, in, the, in the measure that we can do that and also nurture ourselves is the way in which we're going to show up at a higher level as a better version of ourselves in everything that we do. And that includes in the arena of parenting. So that's how I you know, discovered this passion and, and why I'm so uh, devoted to supporting moms in this journey. Yeah, absolutely. And something that you mentioned here, of course, about the super mom. And so I'm curious, you know, when you start working with a client and they start sharing with you all the things that they're trying to juggle each day, you know, family, career, kids, all the things and trying to do it all at, you know, probably like a hundred miles an hour and like perfectly all the time. And so when you introduce this idea that, you know, you don't have to be a super mom or there's a different way to be a super mom and, you know, being, being proud of what you can do and what you can accomplish and being okay with it. So, 
Do you mm-hmm. find that your message is is embraced or is there some kind of resistance of, no, it has to be perfect. I have to keep doing it this way. Like maybe share a little bit about what the reaction is when you start to introduce the possibility that they don't have to be perfect or super or that that could look something different than what they imagine. Right. Well, I do think that uh, I find that my my talk that I do on the myth of the Superman, it has been really well received. I think it's a refreshing um, and kind of a relief <laughs> for these moms, right? Like they want to hear, you're right. I don't have to be super mom and I can be more compassionate with myself and I do need to take better care of myself. I think that uh, they're, they're more likely to embrace that message and, and go with it because they see the detrimental effect that it has on them when they compare themselves to those um, super women standards and um, try to do it all. Yeah. And so um, something that, you know, kind of segueing into the whole trauma side of it, which is something that we cover quite a bit on this podcast and something I've written about extensively. And so when you work with women of trauma, maybe share a little bit about, um, you know, how this affects them, especially moms who are trauma survivors and they want to, you know, be a super mom, or maybe they're just trying to be, you know, trying to overcome everything in their past and work through it. And, and they're just trying to be, you know, any kind of mom, let alone a super mom. And so maybe, you know, yeah. in, in terms of your work with, with trauma survivors, and I'll tell you, because when I worked with a therapist uh, years ago and she tried to tell me that it was okay to do just enough or that I was okay with where I was. I was like, no, like, that's not the right, you know, that's not the case. Mm. I have to be, you know, I have to be perfect. I've got to get this right. I've got to keep driving. I've got to figure out where my trauma came from and how do I master this coping skill. And so I was driven to, I I don't know that I would necessarily say perfect, but I was driven more towards the, I got to keep going, got to keep going, trying to figure it out rather than being okay with, you know, all right, today, I did X, Y, and Z, and I'm okay with that. And tomorrow, maybe I can do more rather than trying to do all at one time. Like the concept of slowing down and being okay with where I was headed was foreign to me yeah. for, for quite a long time. Right, right. And and you know what? I think this is something that is very common, meaning um, I talk with the with my clients about this, is that whenever you're contemplating a major change, and especially if you've all your life received these messages that unless you do X, Y, or Z, you're not worthwhile or um, you have to achieve or, you, you know, you have to be this perfect person. Um, I think it, there's a lot of ambivalence about um, giving that up, right? Because if you think about it, you know, it, any symptom that you, that you deal with, um, it, it comes from somewhere. It, it's sort of uh, your, it's a person's best attempt to cope with a, a painful or difficult situation, uh, such as trauma. And um, so there's a reason that those particular symptoms or that particular way of thinking and feeling is there. And so part of what I do with trauma survivors and in, in my work, number one is I offer those folks therapy if they're having significant symptoms at that moment of trauma or depression, anxiety to the degree that they're not functioning um, adequately in their daily lives. I think that's a situation where therapy is most appropriate. And so, but the first thing is, let's look at, you know, how these particular symptoms um, speak well about your core values, about who you are as a person and how they might have uh, served you or be, be uh, serving you right now. What advantages could they have? Because 
they do have some advantages. And so we start kind of fleshing that out. Um, and for I'll give you an example. So say that somebody's been raped, right? Obviously, that's a traumatic situation. You know, that's likely to result in symptoms like hypervigilance, right? I don't want to let my guard down uh, lest I be hurt again. Or the anger, uh, holding on to that anger can be a protective factor, you know, uh, against getting hurt again. So those symptoms in that setting, in that scenario, are, are working to protect the person. And so they serve a purpose. So for me to step in and say, well, we got to get rid of this. Well, guess what? That's not necessarily the best first step because that person may not be ready yet to to let go. So it's important to explore both sides. You know, how is this serving? And then how isn't it serving? How is it getting in your way, in the way of your growth, in the way of your healing? Right. So I think it's important to look at both of those sides. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And your approach, uh, of course, as, as you mentioned a bit, is a team and um, a CBT approach, which um, I'm sure many people who listen to this podcast have either gone through CBT therapy or at least know what it is. But maybe share a little bit more about your approach and kind of reframing some of the things that you mentioned with the women who who you work with who are trauma survivors. Because I know for me, CBT and DBT have been like gigantic for me in terms mm-hmm. of of my healing. And I'll tell you when I, when I first start, when I worked with a therapist at first and I tell the story many times, but you know, the quick, uh, the quick version is I had no idea what in the hell any of it was. And she's like, well, you know, my approach is CBT. And I'm like, what's that? And, and, and she's like, well, I use DBT and I'm like, what's that? And so I had to learn, but as I embraced that approach and what it meant and giving me the opportunity to see things differently and change my way of thinking, it was huge. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about how that really benefits your clients as well. Right. Yes. Thank you for pointing that out because oftentimes we throw around these uh, acronyms and people may not really know what that is all about, right? And, and the therapy world can be sort of foreign. So, so CBT is, is cognitive behavioral therapy and it is based on the idea that the feelings that we experience and the behaviors that we do are all start with the way that we, that we think. And so when we're upset about something, those upset thoughts drive the way that we feel and also the, the reactions that we have behaviorally towards other people, towards ourselves, et cetera. So it, it, it becomes really important then to look at the way that, um, that we're talking to ourselves because we're constantly in this internal dialogue. And sometimes that dialogue is constructive. Sometimes it's destructive. So that's where uh, uh, CBT can be really helpful. And then, the, well, the behavioral part is also about making behavioral changes that are going to support a healing and, and a healthier lifestyle. In in the team approach, um, so by the way, team is for uh, testing, empathy, agenda setting, and methods. And um, it was developed by Dr. David Burns um, starting in the 70s, I believe. Uh, he's the person who wrote the book, Feeling Good. And uh, so I really took to this approach because it takes into account the fact that Again, that symptoms have a valuable function for people, and we don't necessarily want to, you know, step in and strip that away from them uh, before they're ready to to let go. And that in therapy, the agenda is dictated by what the client wants to work on, as opposed to a specific diagnosis. So somebody may be depressed, but maybe what they really want help with is their relationship. And so if that is the case, then that's where we go, 
We work with what, what the client brings and what they want to do, what they want to accomplish. Yeah, that's such um, a big point to bring up um, because oftentimes we may be struggling with something, but we want to work on something else. And then over time, that original something kind of comes out, even though we weren't anticipating it. Yes, um, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, and I, I use the example uh, regularly that when I first started to work with a therapist, you know, years ago, the first thing I went for was like uh, relationship issues. I had just gotten divorced and I'm like, you know, I'm a single dad. I'm in my early forties. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Why am I broken? Why does this happen to me? So I was all in this like fix me kind of relationship type of thing. But after six months, all the trauma work started as a result of, of, of getting my, 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 my challenges out in the open. And so, you know, as you mentioned, it's always important to, you know, talk to your therapist and let them know what you want to work on, but don't be surprised in that work that other things tend to come up, especially if it's trauma related. Right. Exactly. It all, you know, comes out in the wash as they say. right? Uh, and, and also, you know, with trauma work, it can be, you know, a really painful process. And I think, um, it, so it takes building a really strong collaborative relationship with your therapist where you really feel heard, validated, supported, and that's not necessarily always easy to do. And so maybe addressing something else first can help to build that relationship to such a degree that then the person feels safer in opening up more and, and dealing with the more painful uh, parts of their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And so when you're working with women and helping them heal from trauma um, and thrive, and of course, this is uh, likely more in the uh, therapy world, I believe. But so if you can share some perhaps some key elements that the listeners can kind of take to heart and and understand that if they're going to work on, on their past trauma with a therapist, some key elements that they might want to make sure they are aware of. Right. Uh, well, I think um, the first thing is, again, to be aware that the symptoms that you're experiencing, the thoughts and the feelings that you're having likely have some uh, some purpose for being there, some advantages, and even beautiful things that they might be saying about you, right? So, for example, if I, um, you know, I'm kind of um, not going out and meeting people, maybe that's my way of keeping myself safe. And so that's a valuable thing, of course, because, you know, we're valuing ourselves and keeping ourselves safe. Right. So that's just an example. But um, looking at also, you know, what are the, the, the disadvantages of, you know, where we're at? You know, how is it interfering with the kind of life that we want to create? And um, so that's where incorporating the uh, CBT comes into play, looking at the negative thoughts that are feeding those uh, negative emotions and the behaviors that so far um, are in place that we want to change. So working on your mindset is, is one of the biggest things. It's probably the, um, you know, the, the second biggest element to focus on. And sometimes um, we may have certain ingrained um, beliefs that contribute to us having engaging in certain patterns, right? Whether it be in, in our behaviors and our relationships with other people, so that's all going to start to come out as we do this process. And I think it's also really important to work on the element of um, self-acceptance, right? We kind of alluded to this earlier about learning that um, who you are is okay and that even the, the, the past hurts that you may have been through don't define who you are as a person, right? Kind of connecting with 
who you are at the core and, you know, creating some changes. And uh, I think self-compassion is also really key because so much time can be spent on beating ourselves up, right? And as we all know, it's so easy for us to be compassionate and understanding and gentle with another person that we really care about than it is with ourselves sometimes. But self-compassion, I think, is super important. And we, and, you know, it can be a challenging thing for us to do this on a consistent basis, to give ourselves that grace and the kindness um, as we grow and as we heal. Um, and I think also relationships are super important because um, we can't do it all alone, right? I mean, and it starts with, in the case of therapy, is there's a therapeutic relationship, right? But it's you engaging with another person who can help you see things that maybe you're not able to see as clearly, right? But it's also about creating a network of support where you're connecting with people. We're not meant to live in a bubble, right? We're social creatures. And I think at the core, we all do desire those um, connections and not only connection, but also feeling cared for and accepted. So I think those are all really key pieces that that need to happen in the process of healing from trauma. Yeah, I cannot agree more. And it's very interesting that they all actually spell out an acronym, which is woman. And so I will I will ah, put that yeah. in the yeah, yeah, nicely done, right? <laughs> um, but I will yes. put that in the in, in the show notes so everybody can see it here. And just I mean, you're right, every one of them is is just so important and each one has its own type of challenges. And maybe we can focus a little bit one on the self-acceptance, which, uh, you know, mastering self-acceptance, which I think for me and, you know, the clients I work with and people I've talked to on this show over the years, self-acceptance is is one of the most difficult ones to, to go through as well as self-compassion. But if we want to talk about uh, self-acceptance here and being okay with just being okay and not being perfect, as we alluded to earlier, um, I think is so difficult because, you know, if you're a perfectionist, then of course, just being okay is like incredibly difficult and almost half traumatizing to even think about, but getting to mm. a point where you can say, okay, I'm okay with where I am. I'm, I, I'm okay with the pace of it, which I think for me was the biggest struggle was I want to learn more. I want to learn faster. I want to learn quicker. I, I want to learn more efficiently. I got to figure this trauma thing out. And so if you could maybe share some more just about the self-acceptance side and how, how how difficult it is, but how freeing it is when you get to that point of just saying, I am where I am and I'll get there when I get there, but I know I'm on the right path and you know that's okay for me right now, rather than saying I have to get there at a certain time and I have to do everything just right or it doesn't work. Right. Yes, you're so right. I mean, it is a, a formidable uh, uh task, I guess, to master, right, is the idea of uh, accepting ourselves as as we are. And, um, you know, Dr. Brene Brown, which I love her. I, I imagine that a lot of your listeners are familiar with her work. I just love what she has to say about, you know, how we're, um, our imperfections can be our biggest strengths, right? And I think that's, that's one of the things that's important to look at in mastering self-acceptance is the fact that those little things that we don't do as well or that where we're vulnerable are the very things that help us to be able to connect with one another as human beings, right? And and it's important to recognize that just as I have imperfections and vulnerabilities, other people do too. 
And uh, so when we can accept that, that is like a huge, uh, uh, a huge thing, right? And I think that, um, it, you know, for myself, for example, you know, sometimes there's shame that kind of interferes with that process of accepting ourselves, right? Something that I, uh, you know, this confession time right here, right, that I, that I discovered recently is that for myself, I've discovered that I, I am a mother and I love my children dearly. And being a mom is not necessarily my zone of genius. Like it isn't the area where I do the best or, you know, I may not be like the Pinterest moms, you know, or like the crafty moms or, you know, the moms who like get down on the floor and play with their kids, you know, and I've come to accept that about myself and that, you know, this is okay. I'm still a good mom, you know, and the reason I know that is because I've noticed the changes in myself, the fact that I am now more patient with my kids. I can sit down with them and have a conversation and take myself away from whatever I'm doing and just kind of, you know, listen to them. And I'm not, I'm not snapping at them like I, you know, was doing years ago. And so it's like, you know, I can identify the growth in myself and that that helps me to show up um, as a higher version of myself. I'm still, you know, not like, again, you know, like, like say, you know, the moms that you see on Pinterest, you know, but that's okay. You know, I am still showing up as my best. And, uh, I think it's important to stack the evidence of how we're changing and growing as a means to helping us um, grow in that self-acceptance as well. That is such a huge point, being okay with where you are. And, you know, you mentioned about kind of the uh, Pinterest mom, so to speak, or the social media pressures can be gigantic yes. or, or yeah, I mean, like, I mean, and not only like the social media, but your social circles, you know, the people that work or in your church group or, or wherever. And they're like, well, you know, I, I, you know, I took my kids here and I did this. And then we spent all day making this craft and you're like, I'm not crafty or, you know, I can't do yes. this or that's not my specialty. And so you start trying to like compensate by, by doing things that aren't really in your wheelhouse and then it doesn't feel natural. It's not very fun. And then you try to do it perfect and it's not right. And you're, and you're, and you're shaming yourself. And so what a, what a huge point to kind of reinforce that just because your, your friends or you know, people in your circles, family, church group, you know, uh, uh, community organizations, whatever, just because they do something with their kids and it's all great and awesome and they love it doesn't mean that you have to do it or do it that way, right? Like play to your strengths. Don't, you know, don't, don't try and, and almost kind of cave in just, just to do something because you think that's how good moms do it or good dads too, obviously. Well, exactly. Right. And there is no one way to be a good mom or a good dad, right? Or a good worker or a good sister. You know, there's like, you, like you said, you know, play to your strengths and utilize that. And so that's what living in your zone of genius is all about, is finding that thing that not only are you really good at it, but it lights you up. It brings you joy. And if you do that and engage in that, you're going to be your best self no matter what. And when you're your best self, you bring in that to everything and everyone around you. They can see it and feel it from you. That's beautiful. Yeah. 
isn't it? Yeah, it it is amazing. And that's something that it's very, it's very difficult to kind of come to terms with because you feel like you're not doing it right, or because you see everybody doing things differently and you're like, well, I can't do that, or I don't know how, or or it just doesn't feel natural to do something. So, you know, you know what? Find something that you do like and and uh, you know, make that your own thing and your own tradition and your own, you know, good time with your kids or your spouse or yeah. whatever it is, so that it feels like you you can kind of get behind it and it feels authentic and not like you're trying to push yourself to do something that you just don't really enjoy and that nobody has any fun. And then, of course, we talked about the shaming aspect of it, which, of course, is just a huge part that we always have to work through as, as trauma survivors is if we don't do something right or it's not perfect or, you know, even if we're not yeah. in the whole perfectionistic mindset of just trying to figure out this whole healing from trauma thing. And if, if it doesn't come natural to you, which oftentimes it doesn't because it's a total mindset shift, as we've been talking about, you end up mm-hmm. shaming yourself. So I would imagine shame is probably a big part of the work you do as well with, you know, the moms and women that you work with. Sure. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I want to say something too, that came to mind as you were um, talking just now is that, you know, I wanted to use as an example, you know, say when we um, think of our kids, if we hurt them beating themselves up because they're not doing something perfect or they're not as pretty or as intelligent or as athletic as so-and-so, what would you say, right? You'd probably say, you know what? It's fine. You're, you're great the way you are. Maybe you're not athletic, but you're, you know, look, you're very artistic and this is, you know what I mean? So the way that we would um, nurture our kids and, and, and encourage them and foster them in their areas of strengths and their interests is the same way that we ought to be doing with ourselves too. Yeah. And that's a great point too, is if you can say it to your kids or say it to your spouse or, or your coworker, then it's okay for you to hear it too. You know, if if it's good enough for you to give advice and compassion onto somebody, then there's nothing wrong with you showing that kind of same compassion, that same sincerity, that same encouragement to yourself, which of course sounds foreign oftentimes, because as you mentioned before, we are all about encouraging others and, you know, and uh, uh, uplifting our kids and our friends and our spouse and, and, and everybody. But when it comes to us, we're like, okay, well, it's just not right. It's not good enough. Oh, you know, and just kind of going down that whole shaming road again. So it always bears, yeah. uh, you know, reminding that if you, the way that you talk to other people in an encouraging, uplifting way, Try talking to yourself that way, and you might be amazed at at the results and and you know the peace that you find. So I think it's always great to to kind of mention that point as we do oftentimes here. But the last thing that I want to talk about before we get to um, where everybody can find your your work and everything is if there's uh, one piece of advice that you can give to the listeners on this podcast about if they're considering working on their trauma or maybe they have a super mom type of a challenge to work through, what kind of advice can you give them that might encourage them to either uh, get back on the healing journey or perhaps start it for the very first time? Wow. Yes. That's a great question. You know, the biggest thing that I have discovered and I, and, and I love to share with this with, with people is just the importance of giving ourselves the care that we deserve and that in order for us to show up as our best in all our work, in our relationships, whether you're a professional man or woman, or you're a dad or you're a mom, and it's, you know, the the more that we can, again, play to our strengths and take care of ourselves, replenish our own cup, 
and develop our capacity and heal from those wounds so that we can um, function at our best capacity, right, is the more that we're going to be able to um, show up for ourselves and the people in our lives, right, as opposed to the other way around where we're give, 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 give to everybody else first and we become depleted. And then we don't have anything left to give. And so, you know, it's not selfish to start with ourselves. I think that is what I want everybody to hear. If when we start with our the care of ourselves and the growth and healing of ourselves, is that that is the very thing that's going to allow us to shine that light outward so that other people can also benefit from what we have to offer and hopefully be inspired by our example to do the same for themselves. And if we all did that, imagine that, Matt. Like, if we all did that, what a beautiful world we would be living in, right? Oh, my goodness. You're so right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned, too, that about the uh, uh, inspiring part, which is is something that you can't really, uh, you know, minimize at all, is when, you know, when you start to, to, to kind of, uh, you know, like I always say, kind of take your life back or, or, or start your healing journey or when other people see you doing it, you never know who you're going to influence that, you know, Hey, if she's starting to feel better and, you know, maybe I can do that too, or look how her, her outlook on herself has changed. Maybe I can do that too. Like that kind of, uh, inspiration happens oftentimes without you even knowing it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. We never know who is watching. And I tell you who is watching for sure is our kids. They're constantly mm. watching whether we know it or not. <laughs> but uh, even, you know, beyond our own families, there's definitely people out there in, in everything that we do, in every sphere that we find ourselves in, we have the ability to impact other people for the better. And that's, that's a beautiful, a beautiful thing to to do. Yeah, it absolutely is. And then it's almost like this, this beautiful cycle of you're starting your journey. Somebody gets inspired by you, then they inspire somebody else. And so you never know yes. who, who, who you're going to affect. But as you mentioned, somebody who's always watching definitely is your kids. And, you know, it, it's funny as you get older and your kids get older, sometimes they'll say something like, you know, mom or dad, I, I remember you always did this and that always encouraged me to do that. And so you never know that the things you say or just the way you carry yourself or in the case of, you know, working through your trauma or the challenge of being a super mom or a super parent, when they see you putting yourself first and working on yourself, that's inspiring to them. And it validates that, Hey, if mom or dad have struggles and they're willing to work on them, maybe if I have their struggles, I can work on them too. So I think that's a great that's way. Right. You know, yes. And it says, you know, I am worth it. I am worth it. You know, instilling that mindset, not only in yourself, but in your, in your spouse and your kids that you are worth it, right? Amen. Absolutely. Cool. Well, Dr. Moto, this has been so awesome. I'm so glad you came on the show. But before we go, if you want to tell everybody where they can find your work, of course, your website, any social media, and if they're interested in uh, working with you, how they can find all that out. Awesome. Thank you. Yes. So my website uh, is, is a fantastic way to find me and it's joyfulimperfectioncounseling.com. And uh, in there, by the way, there's going to be a um, uh, my super mom stress, stress checklist 
which then um, introduces you to my uh, tips and strategies um, for uh, going from super mom, you know, the cape wearing super mom to being a joyful, authentic super mom. And uh, the other way to um, find me is on Facebook. I have a Facebook page uh, under Joyful Imperfection Counseling, and I post regular uh, messages in there, inspirational quotes, videos, um, in articles, etc. So that's another really great way. And I also have a Facebook group that's called Recovering Super Moms for all those moms out there who want to create a different kind of experience of motherhood. That's uh, another avenue. Absolutely. And yeah, what what a great thing for people to get when, when they come to your website to get that super mom stress checklist. And, you know, I, I would imagine that that's a great way for them to kind of take stock of, of what they're struggling with. And then if they're interested in working with you, they can they can, you know, bring that on their first call or, or their first visits. And then, you know, kind of use that as a basis of moving forward, because I, I would imagine, you know, when somebody goes to get this checklist that they probably will end up checking off more than what they would care to admit that that they that they are checking off, right? Like it's just kind of something right. where you're really, really sincere about it. You're like, yes, I struggle with this and this and this and this. But, you know, you really don't want to answer because it makes you feel vulnerable. But, you know, a- as we know, working with clients, one of the biggest things you can do is be honest with yourself because that's the best way to have a good starting point. Exactly. It all starts with awareness. Right. You got to be where you know where you're at in order to know what the next step is going to be. And that awareness can be, uh, um, yeah, the very first step into to that journey of growth and, and healing. Awesome. Dr. Muller, thanks so much. This has been amazing. And I, I appreciate you taking some time to come on the show today. Oh, I appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak to your audience. And thank you for giving me this platform to share my message. I just love uh, to, to bring this to every, every person that I, that I meet. So thank you for this. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for or supersedes professional medical help or mental health counseling. Thank you again to my sponsors, inlpcenter.org and Daily Recovery Support. I hope you'll consider checking them out as they've joined forces to help keep the lights on here at the podcast and help Beyond Your Past reach as many as possible with a message of hope. If you'd like to learn more about working with me as your coach, or if you're curious about what life coaching is and how it might be right for you, then head on over to beyondyourpast.com and claim your free one-hour session where we can talk about the struggles in your life in the areas of anxiety and trauma recovery and see if coaching might be a great fit for you. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with all your friends. See you next time.